Okay. Mr. Burke Miner, Executive Director, Wildland Firefighter Foundation. First of all, like I told you again so many times, thank you for coming out. Thank you for seeing us. This is special for me. And you know, we have a bit of a history and I just really appreciate you and all that you guys do. So thank you big time. Tim, thank you. It's an uh, honor to be up here, uh, to see the facility, uh, meet your family. Uh, me, Dad, got tears in my eyes. Uh, what a beautiful soul. Uh, blend it out to you guys for sure. Uh, thank you. Apple didn't fall far from the tree on either of you guys' wow. side. So appreciate that. Uh, what a wonderful facility you have here. I'm smelling the leather. I'm seeing the place. Um, I'm touched, man. Thanks, uh, man. Yeah. That's really amazing. Well, um, let's make it, let's make it about the foundation. Let's make it about you. Um, tell us, you know, I, I think everybody knows a little bit about the foundation. They you know kind of approximately what you guys do. Tell me, first of all, let's start with you, you know, like, like we talked about yesterday, tell me your story. How'd you even get into this? This is kind of a unique, not everybody does this type thing. You know, not even a lot of people know about wildland firefighting. What's your story? How'd you get started? How did this even all kind of come together? How did you yeah. receive this? Like we were talking about. Tim, how long we got here, man, right? I got uh, it all the time. So uh, started out as a young kid. Uh, you know, my personal story, here we go. And I do this in presentations and just kind of started in on this. But uh, when I was a sophomore in high school, uh, I grew up in a mountain fire town just north of Boise. Um, in 1986-ish, uh, we had what we called the Anderson Creek Fire in Garden Valley, Idaho. Uh, back in those days, uh, small towns were excited to have fire come. Uh, the, the landowners that put up the, the, the house, the ICP into the command post, they made money off the rental of the whole fire command post. Uh, the food caterers would come in, local kids would get a job, you know, working in the kitchens, uh, things like that. Uh, local people would hire their own vehicles out for what they used to call ground support. Wow. Uh, so small communities really welcomed fire. I mean, it was good for the whole community other than, you know, our forest burning down, but right. uh, as far as everything else goes, uh, when, you know, we knew we had a big fire that the town was excited to go get work, uh, however that happened. Uh, you know, in that particular fire, um, the, it filled our little valley, our little mountain valley up with smoke so bad, we had to shut down our football practices. Like, it was legit. You could, it feels like you could cut the smoke with a knife, right? Wow. Uh, so there was this uh, military group and a military deuce that was packing firefighters up the, the long hill to go fight fire for the day. Uh, actually, one of those military deuces rolled into a ravine. Uh, was carrying a native crew. Uh, I believe six of the natives that were in the back of the truck uh, got killed through the rollover. Uh, big news in a small town, man. I mean, like my high school, there was only 100 kids in my high school. Uh, small town, redneck-ish, you know, yeah. uh, is what it is. And so word, word traveled fast through that. Uh, hey, we got, you know, fatalities over here. And the whole town was alive and trying to come over and, seeing how they could assist in any way. Uh, and I specifically remember uh, the sheriff uh, that year. Um, it was a big deal to have natives killed, almost uh, to the point where, uh, you know, in the true sense of the native world, uh, when, a, when a native um, passes, a shaman has to almost come over and release the body in their culture. Uh, so it was profound in this incident that the bodies had to lay in that ravine until our small town authorities could actually find a shaman to bring him up to release the bodies before they could even touch him and get him out of the ravine. So I was, I was quite nuts uh, knowing they were laying there while yeah. this was trying to happen. Um, and, and things went on the fire, the fire progressed and they, they threw suppression at it and the fire went out and things went back to normal. But through my high school years, I used to work for Boise County uh, on a youth crew. We'd go clean culverts and, you know, put up road signs and whatever little jobs that the County needed at that time. Uh, one of our jobs that year was to go hang a bronze plaque up Danskin where these natives had perished. Um, and, uh, you know, that was pretty cool as a kid. You know, I was doing some honoring, uh, took pride in, in, the, yeah. in the work we were doing. Yeah. Um, and that was, you know, maybe a mile up this uh, ravine off the main road. Um, and so we did that. We mounted the little plaque and life went on. And, uh, you know, at that point, I, I had no clue that I would ever be in fire. I'm a sophomore in high school. At this point. At yeah. this point. Yeah. Uh, so we did that. And, you know, uh, next next thing you know, my mother has uh, government contracts to take in a mobile retail store. It's called, we used to be called Commissary. Yep. Uh, we'd sell dry goods, tobacco, toiletries, and boots. Uh, you know, everything under the sun to make a firefighter's life easier out there. Right. Uh, did this for a lot of years. Um, 
you would travel from fire camp to fire camp We'd going take, right into them. You know, and uh, man, I think in 1994, we had 13 camps going at one time from New Mexico to Alaska. Wow. Full blown, full blown camps. So what we were, was, was fire different back then? Was the culture different back then? Or? Of course. Yeah. Wow. It, was, it was deep forest fires back then. I mean, it wasn't wildland fires. It wasn't nothing like that. It was called forest fires. Yeah. Uh, and so time has definitely evolved over that. But uh, <clears throat> back then in 1994, 14 men and women perished on Storm King Mountain in Glenwood Springs, Colorado. Uh, we, well, we were, coincidentally, my mother and I were both on the same fire camp in Rio Dosa, New Mexico. Uh, we'd woke up the next day and ribbons were tied all over the trees. And as lonely old contractors, we really weren't into the biz of the fire. Uh, but it didn't take long to figure out what had happened. 14 men and women lost their lives the day before. And uh, <clears throat> we actually um, were working with a native crew down there. Natives are great artists. Uh, some A native crew drew some art that day, which they actually used on the IAP, Incident Action Plan, for the fire that day. Uh, we we uh, had the art smudged. Uh, we, we put the art on a T-shirt. Uh, we called that shirt from the flames of hell to the gates of glory uh, in memory wow. of uh, 14. Um, and we wanted to sell that shirt, uh, out of our commissaries to give that money back strictly to the storm King families. I mean, in the early nineties, there was nothing going on for families, firefighters. I mean, we were just cresting into computers at that point, right? There's yeah. not a lot going on for support of, of these men. No social media, there. no donations, nothing like, nothing like that. So we created the memorial shirt. We sold it out of the rest of our commissaries that year. We ended up raising over a hundred thousand dollars with that t-shirt alone. Wow. Uh, my mother had collected the proceeds from that and sent it back to DC, DC with the uh, intent on that getting back to the families uh, of the 14. You know, fire had been fire. When you're a contractor in fire, life is either really good or it's really bad. It's feast or famine, let's call it. Uh, if there's no fire scenes, you're not making any money. Uh, if the fires are raging, you know, whatever your business is, toiletries, porta potties, sinks, food catering, yeah. you're, you're, you're in it, right? Yeah. Uh, so fire had been good to us for several years and we just wanted to get back a little bit. Uh, the money was sent back to DC. Uh, my mother checked on it over a year later uh, to find out how it touched their lives and kind of what was done with it. And to figure out not even a red cent uh, had made it to those families yet. Wow. It got put into a nonprofit in DC, right? Um, and this is funny. People ask me all the time, what's your mother like? And I say, well, you're either going to get Mother Teresa or Roseanne Barr. You never really know which one, right? <laughs> yeah, that's good. And there's, there's philosophies behind that. Uh, yeah. Mother Teresa created the shirt and wanted to take care of those families. And a year and a half later, Roseanne Barr figured out the money hadn't got to where it needed to go, and she raised a little cane and demanded the money back. And the you know the nonprofit that it got stuck in, they were like, "Well, we don't usually give donors their money back." And Roseanne Barr's like, the "Hell with you! We, we, this we weren't donors to your organization, right? Right." right? <clears throat> right. Uh, and and so you guys had nothing at that time yet. No, no, no WFF. Nothing. This no, is just no, you and your. We mom were just and, contractors in a, in wow. a big world out there. Bring that a little closer. Uh, contractors in a big world out there. Uh, so we'd figured out the, the money, uh, over half of it had been spent in overhead costs and everything for this foundation. Wow. Uh, wow. Vicky fought tooth and nail to get the remainder of the money out. Uh, from that, we created the purple ribbon, which signifies a fallen firefighter. Uh, we dispersed those, uh, purple ribbons out in the form of, la of a lapel pin, uh, for several years. Uh, after that, uh, even the chief of the forest service, I think at that time was Dale Bosworth. Uh, love the idea of that. Uh, he would he would buy those for, uh, you know, the incidences out there with the Forest Service and kind of put that on the map. Um, you know, and through that, uh, we just started helping people. Yeah. Um, just two people in the world helping people. Amazing. Uh, and, and then, uh, you know, she, she acquired a um, 501c3 nonprofit status. Uh, didn't take long after that to really start helping people, start generating funds. And, we're still in her kitchen, right? I mean, there's no buildings, no nothing, just just helping people out of her house. I mean, just people calling your mother, Vicky, this, this. Or she would hear happened. about it. She'd hear about it. And yeah, she yeah. would do the reaching out. <clears throat> I mean, wow. And that's kind of the claim to fame, right? I mean, at that point, we were reaching out to people. Yeah. Um, hey, this is kind of who we are. Uh, you know, I'll give you an example. A few years later in Loman, Idaho, uh, one of the biggest fires around back there completely devastated the town it actually had a tornado effect there and really wiped out all the timber everything like that but there was families up there that lost uh, a letterman's jacket uh one little girl lost a five-toed kitty uh things like this that happened and you know um letterman's jackets and things like that are easy to replace when you're trying to help a family like that uh, but when you get down to a five five-toed kitty how do you replace that yeah 
And I think he found a five-toed kitty. Wow. And we took it back to that family and gave it back to the little girl. And, you know, it wasn't her cat, uh, but she welcomed it. Yeah. It was kind of a new uh, blessing after, after catastrophe. What's the chances of finding another five-toed kitty? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, So that there's stories like that that started. uh, Yeah. Vicky's process into migrating into the Wildland Firefighter That's Foundation. Amazing. So you always started out doing just you were always helping community stuff, kind of like out in the outdoors, doing this, doing that. As a, you know, just trying to replace things that people had lost in fires. Yeah, yeah. wow. Uh, and then it, you know, obviously moved into uh, fatalities and injuries. Um, and we'll get into the foundation more as we go. But I'm going to finish my story here about my story. Uh, after we became a full blown nonprofit, we're doing all this. We're helping people. Um, about 15 years ago, maybe 12 years ago, something like that, Vic and I had the opportunity to go back to Jemez, New Mexico as a full-blown nonprofit to honor those families from 1986 where I hung the plaque uh, while I was a sophomore in high school. And we're going down with bronze statues and checks and the whole nine yards of what was never around when those, when those families uh, endured their hardships. Uh, so we get to Jemez, New Mexico, uh, where we're the only white people in the building. Uh, all the natives were doing their drumming and uh, screaming and, you know, everything they do in their process of the of their music. Yeah. Uh, that raise the hair on your neck. It's a beautiful thing yeah. to be in, in, in something like that. Uh, they were feeding us rye bread. And, you know, at that point, some of them thought we were the Forest Service. And because of the way the bodies were returned to uh, the reservation there, uh, let's just say there were some hard feelings around some things. And, and once they figured out we were not the Forest Service, we, we were just, you know, an independent nonprofit that really cared about what had happened to them. Um, and they didn't know my story, of course. They didn't know I hung the bronze plaque there and all this kind of stuff. But, um, you know, at that point, Tim, I was in my mid-40s. I had been working with my mother, uh, working with families. Not always the easiest thing, as I'm sure you are full sure, aware of. sure. Uh, but we do it right. It's part of who yeah. we are. But it yeah. comes it comes with its uh, trials and tribulations. That's for sure. Uh, so I'm in my mid forties. I'm like, am I on my right path? Should I go back to selling cars or logging or changing tires or whatever I used to do, or or broaden my horizons? And I was really in this crisis, if you will. Uh, and I was always asking the universe, Hey, am I on my thing? Am I on my path? Am, am we doing this? And after that happened in uh, Hamez, and and while we were down there, uh, one of the mothers at this point was. 92 years old or something like that, uh, 27 years later after the fatality. Uh, this this wonderful Native woman, uh, no teeth, if you can imagine, wore out by the sun, just the, the most perfect picture of what an elder Native woman would be was her. Uh, we handed her the statue. Um, she, everybody cried. They knew what it was about. Uh, we handed them an envelope with a check in it. The mother opened that up, and you could see on her face she really didn't even know what it was. Um, she had to ask one of her daughters, she pulled her daughter over and showed it. Uh, they did some native tongue talking and I could see the look on this mother's face when she realized it was a $5,000 trip. Uh, how simple these people lived on a reservation. I could see that we probably changed that family for generations to come. Wow. That was the look on her face. Wow. Um, and it was just a, such an overwhelming experience down there, but it wasn't until I was flying home out of Albuquerque, I get about 30,000 feet and window seat uh, on the airplane and this just hit me like a smack from the universe if there if you could even imagine that i started bawling profusely snots running out of my nose like i am in the midst of a breakdown bawling and i'm like i'm trying to accept the the magnetism of what just happened to me closing this loop from hanging that plaque as a sophomore in high school going down 27 years later as a full-blown nonprofit to honor these people while i'm asking them if i'm on my path right uh, so I don't think there's a number of, you know, chances or what's the odds there. There's not a number in the odds world of what just happened to me to go down and, and close that circle after 27 years. So I, I really knew that, uh, you know, uh, the universe or guides, whatever you want to call them, uh, was on my side and it was a wake up point. Hey, Burke, you are on your path. Uh, you know, you've closed this loop and I tell this to elders and <clears throat> other people, my story and. It's profound. I mean, this what I say, the odds of that, there's not odds. Uh, it was definitely an impactful part of my life to where I, I knew I was on my path to get really busy with the foundation and stop worrying about if I was on my path and whatever else is out there and yada, yada, yada. And so that's my personal story. And I like to tell that. And it's very unique. Um, coming from a sophomore in high school, never known I'd be in fire to 
changing people's lives where I'm at today. And, you know, just crested 50 years old and just getting started. Uh, we got a lot of stuff That's to do right. and a lot of hearts to heal and a lot of people to touch and uh, things going on like that. So it's, it's been a beautiful ride. Amazing. That's, <clears throat> you couldn't write, you couldn't write that. Can't write it. Yeah, you can't write that. Um, can you tell us a little bit about your mother and is she, you know, she's still involved, not really still there. How is that going? You know, uh, Vicky, Vicky put almost 40 years of her heart and soul into this wildfire community. And, um, if you can imagine starting out, she, she took the blunt of all the calls. She worked with all the families. She, she's physically cried with them. She's taking care of this whole community in her own hands. Um, you do 40 years of that, you're going to get what they call compassion fatigue. Uh, Vicky can't even do any public speaking right now without kind of tearing up and crying and yeah. uh, type of thing. She's she's fatigued with that. I mean, Mother Teresa, you can't. Yeah. How much yeah. can you really take, right? Right. Uh, so she's retired now. She has zero to do with, uh, with the day-to-day operations. She's still currently the president of the board of directors. Amazing. Um, so still very much involved on uh, at a distance. Uh, That's amazing. Part. Yeah. Um, Somebody with still a role model like for the whole yeah. foundation. Yeah. Uh, when I get twisted up and think that I can't do anymore or whatever, I. I Hey mom, I got this going on, you know, Yeah, uh, yeah. give me some advice and some blessings, things like that. That's but, really you know, special. We still got that going on for sure. That's really, really special. That's amazing. Um, mm-hmm. you know, it feels, it feels like some people just, just general public listeners, they don't really know the difference between a structured firefighter or a wildland firefighter. And, you know, you, I think you guys are really highlighting that. Can you speak a little bit, you know, as to maybe why people don't know? And then can you speak on why we should know and why it's so important for us to know who these community of wildland firefighters are and just exactly what they're doing for the country and what they're doing for their communities that maybe people don't even know. Sure. You know, uh, fire goes back as, as long as we can think about it. Uh, you know, they've been on horse and buggies pulling the big water barrel around and, and doing this and putting out structures and things like that. And, and I think when you're average person, when you say firefighter, everybody goes right to the red truck cruising, cruising down through the city and just what you've seen and putting out fires, you know, stuff, yeah. their asses are on the lines, just like anybody else. Yeah. Is, right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. They're in their turnouts and uh, this, that, and the other. Well, you know, anytime I do a public uh, presentation, anything like that, I'll always say the wildland firefighter is the most underrated public servant we have walking this planet. Wow. And it's true. Uh, you know, um, People don't really understand unless there's a column of smoke chasing your asses out of your house. Uh, you're getting evacuated. You're doing all this. And all of a sudden you're seeing the green and yellow buggies and the helicopters and the engines. And there's this whole new, whole new breed of people in there doing the work. Right. Yeah. And they're not accustomed to seeing that because they're accustomed to the red truck going down through the town <clears throat> and the, you know, sliding down the pole. And Absolutely. Stuff. Yeah. 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 Uh, so, you know, when the wildland community shows up for the wildland fire, uh, people see that. Um, it's been a huge part of, my career going through the communities uh, what's a beautiful thing to me is in all these uh towns small towns that have been burned and evacuated and there's plywood there's sheets bed sheets hanging that are painted on them thank you wildland firefighters thank you thank you thank you and let's face it these these heroes un, un, unsung heroes they don't want to be thanked they're just doing their job right they're adrenaline junkies out there doing their job yeah uh they really have a passion for it, but um you know a, a I guess one of the major differences is, and I'm I'm no professional on this, but you know, obviously your structure firefighters are wearing turnout gear, respirators, everything like that. Our wildland guys are wearing leather boots, yeah, uh, Nomex, and sometimes a bandana over their face, but uh, not really. They're out they're out there in the elements doing it, right? Yeah, uh, they can get retardant dropped on them. That you know they got all these things going on that they're really not protected from as a structure firefighter is. Yeah, and there's no there's no puns here, no dissing on anybody it's absolutely a brotherhood right they're all firefighters and yeah go back and forth from structure to wildland and uh vets coming on you know uh it's a real integrated brotherhood like that but yeah yeah just, just differences different families are you know bit, yeah. these wildland mm-hmm. guys are not in respirators they're not in turnouts they're yeah. not doing nothing like that uh, and on top of that they're they're packing chainsaws and all these other tools uh, 40 pound packs on their back up and down mountains you know uh, uh it's it's not an easy job by any stretch of imagination right what what type of uh what type of what type of guy or or gal what type of individual do you see going into wildland who are who are these people like who are they usually what what fits kind of the 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 maybe character trait or identity trait or like i'm sure that you know maybe if you grew up in you know new york city or something or in the inner city right you don't really even know anything about it and so there's no reason that you maybe even kind of go after it and i'm sure there's off cases but what type of people are they 
You know, I I always try to I I sum that up sometimes. I like these are adrenaline junkies that could coddle a baby and and go out and save somebody's life. I mean, right? That's it's good. to that one extreme to another, right? right? They're right. they're really uh, they're doing a job uh, to protect the lands and protect the people. So they have that going on. They're they're emotional. Uh, they can coddle a baby, a stranger's baby, uh, but they can also go out for eighteen hours a day, uh, 14, 16, 21 days at a time, sleep in the dirt, and get up and do it over again the next day. Right? Wow. <clears throat> Uh, you know, but as I move forward in, in my career here and, and, uh, obviously you and I have been talking about mental health and this type of stuff. And, and I think as first responders period, uh, I think they have trauma. They've got trauma from childhood. They've got trauma from any kind of thing. Cause it kind of takes somebody with a little bit of nutso to go out and kind of do that job. Right. 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 Uh, so why they're on the job and then all of a sudden their other traumas are triggered yeah. and things like that. But, um, I think we're getting to a place where we can really close the group, the gap and, and talk about, you know, first responders, whoever, they're, they're adrenaline junkies, but they all are packing some type of trauma even to get that, that job going. Because it's crazy to even do that, right? How is the foundation <clears throat> assisting firefighters mentally, spiritually, emotionally, physically? What, you know, what is, what are you guys, what are you doing there for them? How are you Huge gamma, man. I mean, uh, you know, our, our claim to fame is sustaining the home when they, when we get a killed or injured wildland firefighter. And that's been prominent that's a huge need for a family all of a sudden they're you know in, in the event of a fatality all of a sudden this family's first dealing with the loss of their loved one uh now we've got expenditures out there uh we, we got mortuaries and caskets and these types of things and you know for somebody that's not got a million bucks that's that's devastating yeah all of a sudden you're plagued with this twenty thousand dollar bill right to even do the right thing for your fallen family yeah uh so we've really been trying to help with that but as we move uh forward in days mental health is uh it's a huge thing out there um and i talk about it in some other podcasts but the reality is if we go back 20 or 30 years ago you weren't talking about mental health right i mean if you had some stuff going on or whatever first of all your your superintendent's like we ain't got time for that get back to work right we got fire to put out get get the digging line uh you know and and it's not just in wildland fire we can go to old westerns and find that and yada you don't got time to you know yeah. time to cry just, just being a man work. just being a tough tough yeah. it out yeah Fuck yeah up, yeah, man. yeah uh but i think we're finding a new um i think i'll go to the extent to say a new generation a younger younger group coming up obviously it's a new generation of people from 20 or 30 years ago uh and i think they're finding out it's okay to not be okay uh whatever's going on with them maybe you know trauma uh Stuff like that comes from a long line, man, of from a baby and, and how your household grew up. You're packing traumas from that. Maybe you've never dealt with or drug and alcohol or, or family problems, marriage problems, problems with your kids. Trauma's huge, man. It can come in any form, shape, and size. And, and we've all dealt with it since we were kids on one way or another. Uh, and, and you can tuck that away and you can pack it around and, and until you're out on the line and, and are involved in a you know, a snag falling on one of your comrades and you're watching them bleed out on the hill or, or God forbid, a burnover. You've just watched this and uh, I've said it before not too long on a podcast. If you can imagine being out in the woods and you've got helicopters and burning trees and chainsaws and all this kind of stuff, well, let's face it, there's not just a sliver out there. If you get some type of accident or a fatality, nine times out of ten, it's pretty gruesome, man. Right. Uh, pretty bad. Yeah. Uh, so these people witness that and... Um, you just can't stuff that down for very long, man, when you witness that. Uh, you get a 20-man crew out there and a snag falls on somebody and the 19 guys witness this guy bleeding out. You know, maybe somebody's trying to save his life, give him mouth-to-mouth, and this is dramatic stuff. Uh, so you've got a life loss of a life. You've also got 19 cases of immediate post-traumatic stress. Uh, and, and is this just on one fire? Uh, nowadays in our catastrophic fire world, of 60 80 fires going around the country at the one time we think of those as ant hives going the busyness in an ant hive and you have all those going on at the same time law of averages are you're going to have some accidents and things going on like that right yeah, so it's yeah. it's happening a lot yeah uh we can't call time out hey stop the fire right hold on take time out we got some stuff going on fire's not letting you do that right, right. it's encroaching towns and buildings burning people and you know they got to keep going but uh there is a time where they either chime out on the fatality and the crew shuts down to go put each other back together, uh, however length of time that is. Uh, and this just isn't the 20 people on the mountain. Uh, there's so many intricate moving parts to wildland fire. 
dispatchers. Our dispatchers are so underrated. They, they hear it on the radio. They're the first ones dealing with it, trying to get them resources, things like this. And it's traumatic on the dispatchers. You can't deal with that all day long and have that kind of situation going on and just get up and fold your day and go home like nothing even happened, right? So it's not just that 20-man crew on the, on the hill that's getting traumatized. It's all the way through. The radio communications, other people are hearing it. Radio traffic, pilots, everybody that's on this radio channel is hearing this. They know that these people are going through it. It's human nature to be traumatized like that. A lot going on. I think, um, you know, you obviously have a much deeper connection with the wildland community than we do. Um, but just because of the product that we sell and the services we provide, you know, you, we, we meet them and we talk to them. And I've personally been to academies and stuff and, you know, sold boots and done fittings and talking to people. And um, it's just, it's very interesting to learn about all these intricacies and these departments and these agencies. And I was, you know, impressed to learn that a large portion of wildland firefighters are actually volunteers. And, you know, not even, you know, a lot of them don't necessarily even get paid to do it. And there's all these different agencies. There's the Forest Service, the BLM, all this stuff. Can you, um, can you like maybe, you know, shine the light on that a little bit? Maybe there's somebody listening who's interested in getting into it or doesn't even know how it works. You know, we've got federal agencies, state agencies, they all work together. There's contractors. What are even the type of wildland firefighters? There's volunteers, you know, and do you guys cater to every single one of them? Everyone, anybody who's involved in fire suppression will take care. Wow. Um, and, there, and there's some weird things out there as far as how they're taken care of. Uh, you know, you get into the public safety officer's benefits of, of any um, ambulance driver, police officer, uh, public servant in that world uh, qualifies for these public safety officer's benefits in the line of duty. Uh, and all the way down to volunteers. A volunteer firefighter would be eligible for public safety officer's benefits. But when you throw the contractor word out there, there's a huge portion of this community that are contractors that don't even qualify for that stuff. So it's kind of crazy how yeah. all that would even go together kind of as well. Bureaucracy yeah. kind of political, mm -hmm. whatever stuff. And so you guys cut right through that. And, and you it's, don't, it's some yeah. of those people that need us the most. Yeah. Got nothing coming in. Uh, you know, hopefully they work for a, a legit company, a contractor that has uh, workman's comp and things like this. Um, believe it or not, there are shady outfits that don't carry that type of stuff. Right. Crazy. Uh, and that's not just fire. That's, Across the across world. the world, of absolutely. Course. Yeah. Across uh, so the world. hopefully you're working for yeah. a stand-up company that can get you taken care of. There's not much at the end of the road for right. you out there. Is the biggest chunk like the, <clears throat> the Forest Service, and then you know the federal agencies, and then it gets does it get smaller as you go into state agencies, or is it you know even across the board, and you know, or or is it is it vary? And well, I would I would suspect, uh, and I'm not a professional on that. Uh, probably the largest land bearers are you know Forest Service, BLM, yeah. Uh, probably have the biggest uh, firefighting network, uh, but that's that's not to put any shadow on any on anybody else. Right. You know, you've got a lot of state, everything like that. It right. probably would depend on where Mother Nature well, strikes first. Right? Strikes first and whose land it's on, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, in, in my, um, just talking to firefighters and stuff at these academies, it sounds like um, it's growing. The awareness of the wildland fire community is growing. And also just from seeing you guys grow and your exposure and your reach go further, that's very amazing. And then it also sounds like um, there's seems to be like more guys being interested in, and gals being interested in fighting wildland fire. And then it also seems like the fires aren't getting easier. They're getting bigger, they're getting hotter, and they're getting closer to homes. You know, is that what you guys are seeing? Can you expand on Absolutely. that? Absolutely. I mean, how can the exposure not be that with right? Call them catastrophic wildfires yeah. again. I mean, we just talked earlier about forest fires. We have moved from forest fires to catastrophic fire. Yeah, It's swallowing towns. It's swallowing, you know, 100,000 acres a day. Uh, back in forest fires, that would be considered the whole forest fire, 100,000 acres over three months' time, right? Yeah. Uh, now they're doing it in a day. Wow. Is, is it crazy that in the last five years uh, per acres burned, uh, states are having record-breaking fires in the last five years? I mean, the proof's in the pudding right there, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's... it's absolutely a growing problem and your 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 work and the demand for what you guys do is only growing and growing and growing. listen it's not just us man that's the demand on the on the boots on the ground and in the air yeah um absolutely growing yeah and we're trying to grow with that as the needs grow absolutely we're growing that's amazing um you know can you tell us a little bit about you guys have this interpretive center in boise you know what purpose that serves it seems like a lot of people make this a destination it's almost like a I don't want to, you know, say make it sound strange, but almost it's almost like a spiritual journey for for firefighters. They go there, they see the. You, know, you guys have the photographs of all the fallen in the line of duty. 
Can you tell us just about that facility, the interpretive center and kind of the vision behind that and what it serves and what it does to the people that, that visit? Absolutely. The new facility, um, you know, we've definitely graduated for 17, 18 years. We rented a building yeah. uh, just to host the foundation and do business and do all that kind of stuff. And, you know, uh, as any organization, we've, we've had growing pains in doing that. And uh, just time came, we needed our own facility. Uh, the foundation's uh, getting enough under it, has its own collateral, if you will, uh, things like that. It's um, amazing. But interpretive uh, center on that is is uh, more for the general public that would come in to see that. I mean, obviously, the firefighters that come through there don't need to learn about wildland, right? Right. Uh, what they're coming for is to see their fallen brother and sister on the walls, on our walls of honor. Our walls of honor have grown tremendously over the years. Um, we, we've, we started out as uh, in our bylaws for line of duty, uh, fatality and injury. Uh, over the years, uh, there's so much more that goes on with that. Um, and I'll put this into perspective for you. When we have a line of duty fatality, almost everybody in the country that is involved in anywhere like that shows up for the family, uh, inundates this family. I call it a dust storm. They come in, they leave. Uh, those first two weeks of a fatality with the family, the family has no clue who was there. They don't know who they were. They don't even know how they found out about it. Uh, it leaves them in a dust storm. They, they just are trying to put their lives back together, and they were just so inundated by liaisons, honor guards, this organization, that organization. They, they, they can't even remember. Um, <clears throat> the very next day on the same forest, you will have a car wreck. You know, somebody will uh, finish their battle with cancer. Uh, there'll be a suicide. Nobody's showing up for that. Uh, we are. That's, that's what I call hardships. Now. Amazing. Uh, so we're putting those hardships on our walls of honor. Yeah. Uh, if they have served this community, uh, that earns them a spot on our walls of honor. Uh, so our walls have grown greatly. But, you know, uh, to the to a family, to a coworker, you know, the quote unquote line of duty means nothing. Uh, death is death and mourning is mourning. Yeah. Uh, so there's no title for that. You know, um, yes, they paid the ultimate sacrifice out doing their job. Um, everybody gets that and everybody's aware that that could happen. But when you get down to death itself and, and mourning for a coworker, a family, nothing's different. Nothing's different on the car wreck. Nothing's different on the suicide. Nothing's different at the end of the cancer battle. It's a loss of life and everybody mourns it. And, and the difference is nobody shows up for that, but we are. Yeah. Wow. That's very special. Um, I've noticed also just in, in meeting people and, and talking to them, the quality of individual in the wildland community is very high. Um, and what I mean by that is they're, you know, most of the time, the overwhelming majority of the time, they're very kind, they're very um, well-mannered, very respectful, very honorable. And just like in any industry, there's always, your, you know, bad apples and stuff, but overwhelmingly majority is very kind people, very respectful people. And they're, they're mostly pretty much keep to themselves. You know, they, they, like you said, they don't really, they're not looking for any kind of glory or ribbons or things like that. Um, do you feel like there's sometimes a kind of a, a bit of a lot of walls to break down to, to get these guys to talk about what they're doing, talk about their journey, talk about their team? Are they kind of really closed up and, and, you know, just you being there, you talking to them, them knowing you personally, I hear your name everywhere. Everybody knows. Well, I hope Burke. some of that's good. Yeah, <laughs> it's all good. I hear your name, you know, almost everywhere. Um, you know, how much does your just personal touch and the hotshot crews and the teams and then the engines, you know, that everybody knows you, that you're that face that they know you're that voice that they know, you know, it's not just some kind of outsourced big, you know, fancy name here, but you're there, you're on the ground, your boots on the ground. You know, do you, do you, are you, does that, does that run deep? Does that run far? Do they know you personally? Do you go back for years? You know, can you touch on like some of the crews or captains that you've known for, you know, 10, 20 years and things like that? Absolutely. Um, and you know, when you're talking about breaking walls down to get things out of them, um, first of all, they're federal employees. Uh, they, there's a lot under that auspice that they can't do. Uh, they can't accept a dinner. Uh, if they're out on, if they're on about in the city and, mm -hmm. and a family, Oh, look at those firefighters who want to buy them dinner. Everybody wants to do that. Right. Yeah. Uh, they can't even accept that. Uh, wow. so you know, when you're behind the shield or, or a federal agency badge of some sort, uh, there is some stigma there that a lot of things can't be shared. You, can't, you know, it really puts a wall of how they can intervene and interact with the public. Uh, you know, you catch them in the off season, uh, they're certainly not going to get on a talk show and, and 
talk about the federal agencies either, right? Right. right. Uh, but they can open up about their personal selves. And of course, man, I've been in this community for over 30 years. I, I know the old salties, the ones we were just talking about that, yeah. you know, uh, <laughs> and I know the the new young ones, you know, and I'm, it's always a pleasure to meet the new generations as they come. When I go to different yeah. uh, fundraisers, uh, meetings, orientations, anything like that, there's obviously always a new face to know. Right. Uh, right. You know, our, our, uh, our relationship with Coors, uh, nothing better than to get to know somebody over a can of beer. Right. I'm an executive director of this, of this big nonprofit, but, uh, Hey, I'm not so high up that I won't share a can of beer with somebody out on the ground either, man. Right. Uh, great way to get to know somebody. Uh, so relational. Know. Everything is relational. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah everything uh, is so, relational. Yeah, of course. I, I love this community. I love to get involved with them, uh, intervene with them in their best times and their worst times. Right. So yeah, yeah. Uh, it's a pleasure to serve in that regard. Incredible. Um, when I first came down, to the to the foundation you guys were still in your um original you know kind of um, first facility older facility and to see you know where it went and you know what you guys are doing and, and the reach and the exposure you know i can personally say it, it's been really a pleasure to watch you guys just i didn't want to use the word grow because you are growing but i would say to just go deeper and go farther and go you know you know reach and touch communities that you've no one has even heard of you guys before and my experience before we you know before i started doing boots for firefighters and all that stuff. We didn't really know about wildland. You just, you just kind of didn't, you know, I think the way that you touched on, you just didn't really know about it. And mm -hmm. it's a hundred percent true that when people think about firefighters, they think about the big red truck and, and then to just learn about the wildland community over the years, it's been very nice. It's a pleasure. And, you know, like I mentioned, they are very high quality individuals and you've got, you know, you got smoke jumpers to jump out of planes and you know, these hot shots and then, you know, guys, like you go jump out of planes onto a fire. Yes, yes, yeah. To make that clear, yeah. they jump out of planes right. onto a fire. You know, like that's that's we're crazy. Just not, we're just not uh, recreational jumping out of planes here. Right, we're jumping right. onto a fire, onto a fire in the middle of nowhere, right. and you got to go fight it, and you got to go figure it out. You know, right. so it's been really cool. Um, for us, having the pleasure to and the honor to to build boots for them, you know, it adds on a level of esteem, and you know that makes us that much more committed and take seriously like the quality part of our boots and what we do and. You know, we, we've seen, um, I feel like I've seen, so before maybe when it was guys were just fighting fires, let's say like in one part or like, you know, it's like California always burns is kind of what they say, like region five, right? Now I'm starting to see, and maybe it's also just because we're, we're growing, but you know, we'll see, the, you know, Colorado, we'll see the Midwest, we're starting to see down South, you know, it's like, it seems like it's just more and more prevalent in a part of people's lives. And you know, we're meeting new customers, firefighter customers, and, and you know, New Mexico's always had fire, but there's just more there now, and and it's just it's expanding. You know, there's more and more of these guys, and and it's such a pleasure and honor to 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 do that and to serve them. And um, you know, I've also seen a lot of crossover from guys who used to do structure, and now maybe they're doing wildland, and like vice versa, wildland, and now doing structure. And you know, someone will call us from three years ago; they were a wildland firefighter, now they're in a department, but they still want to wear our boots. Um, you know. Can you shine a light maybe on this kind of like career journey that maybe most firefighters kind of have? And, you know, how do you, how do they usually, you know, get started? Like there's this, there's this red card thing people talk about, this pack test thing people talk about, you know, what's kind of the journey that you hear and, you know, how do people even get into this? And is it, is it their local forest service station? Is it their local, whatever, you know, what's the, what's the common thread that you've always seen? Wow. Uh, First of all, I am. Uh, you opened that segment with uh, us growing and and what you've seen, um, and I'm going to put that right back on you. I'm going to hold a mirror up to you, Tim. Uh, <laughs> known you for several years now. Yeah. Uh, you're younger than my own children. Yeah. <clears throat> it's been a pleasure to watch you grow, uh, watch your ethic grow, watch your company grow, uh, your family. Um, I'm I'm in your facility today, just blown away, uh, and I've watched I've watched that growth with you guys as well, and. Uh, you know, let's face it, uh, my career in fire, starting out selling boots, um, a boot guy. Yeah. Uh, I couldn't be more honored uh, to have be serving JK and be carrying JK. And, wow. uh, you know, I, I talk to people all the time I, in, in my, my head and my belief and what I've seen. Uh, JK is the best built boot on the planet, man, and I'm happy to be carrying them. And, you know, other than a chainsaw and a hard hat and a Pulowski, boots are the most important tool on these wildland firefighters. Yes hands down hands down uh and i and i uh, couldn't be more proud to be thank you so affiliated much with jk and getting your boots on these guys thank you so much that means that means that means the world to us that's incredible sure. we wow uh, thank meeting you. your family today your dad uh, again tears in my eyes um 
blown away. Humble. You guys are a humble family. You're doing the right thing. Uh, and it shows with your expansion. Thank you. I think that's why we clicked so well is because we carry a lot of those similar values and principles and you understand them. And I've had the pleasure to get, you know, mentored by my father. And so when I saw those things in you, it was just, it was just kind of a right away thing. Thank you. That's, that's very touching. Yeah. yeah. Uh, back to your question, man. I, <clears throat> I again, I'm not a professional on anything we're talking about today. I'm just a guy out there. Right? Sure. Uh, but I think it comes from a lot of it from what I've heard and see, uh, kids that see the column of smoke, uh, kids in school buses, uh, see these guys out there in action. Um, God, I want to be a firefighter. You know, everybody's always said that you growing up with your, with your schoolmates and either wanted to be a cop, a firefighter, a doctor. Uh, these are prominent positions that are in, in schools. Uh, and I think as wildfire grows and it's on the news and this, that, and the other, as kids are getting out of school, uh, you know, um, of course, they're going to school to get their degrees. What do they do in the summer? Well, I'm going to go fight fire, man. I, I can make some pretty good money. Yeah. Uh, I got this adrenaline junkie in me. Uh, seems like a good fit for me. Um, I like to be in the woods. I love camping. And, you know, uh, a few years of that, you're not going to be camping much anymore, right? Right, right. That's one of the things uh, some of these guys, they get done off a of, off of season, and uh, they're finally home, and their their family's ready to go out into the woods and camp and and the other, they're not interested. Mom, yeah. dad, whoever, man, I've been sleeping in the dirt for a hundred days, yeah, man. Like, yeah, yeah. can we go get a nice hotel somewhere? Right, right. right. Uh, type of thing. But um, yeah, you know, I think you approach your local Forest Service office, uh, crews out there can can direct you. But yeah, there's a process. You're going to have to go through these classes and get your red card and, and uh, do the do the steps it would take to actually get out there. But uh, it comes from all walks of life. What? How long is usually a career? You know, what do, what are you seeing people? When do they usually get out of it, and for what reasons usually? Man, that's a tough question. Uh, I do know for sure these guys that are going to school and going to fight fire just for extra money gets into their blood. And I don't care if you're going to be a doctor. I don't care what you're doing. That fire is not going to leave your blood. Chances yeah. are you're going to be back next year, year after that, uh, and chances are you're going to get swallowed into the system, right? Right. Uh, you're going to be a lifer. Right. Uh, go up in your, your GS level, you know, uh, God, 20 years ago, I was a wildland firefighter doing it just uh, through college. And now all of a sudden I'm a GS 13 for supervisor, right? Yeah. I mean, I've made a great career out of this. I still have my, my doctrines from college and all that, uh, but it's in my blood and I'm not leaving it. And it's amazing. You know, I've, I've seen that more often than not. That's amazing. Um, you know, you were sharing with me kind of a little bit about your team, the, the, the team at the foundation and, um, you know, do you have former firefighters that are on the team? Do you have ambassadors on the team that you know, understand the community? You know, who, who, who do you have operating? Like, how's your, what's your guys' family like at the foundation? I know your mom is on the board still. You're the, you're the kind of the face of everything. And, you know, tell us about that team and who's serving. The community. Sure. Uh, that's my staff. Um, got uh, every one of my staff's been with us for at least a decade or more. Uh, we basically have three families there uh, that, that run the foundation. My family, uh, Pfeiffer family and uh, the Ash family. Uh, do I have ex-firefighters? Of course. Uh, Betty Ash. Boop, how are you? Uh, <laughs> Betty was a uh, battalion chief out of uh, Big Bear, California. Amazing. Uh, absolutely been through the ranks and fire. Uh, was actually a founding member of the United States Forest Service Honor Guard. That's quite a statement. Wow. Uh, so we've known Betty through the years at family days with the Honor Guard and this, that, and the other. And everybody knew where she was going when she retired. And, and what, a, what a blessing she's been to the foundation uh, in that respect to honor and grow her knowledge of, uh, taking care of, you know, she's my human resource person. Uh, she takes yeah. care of all their workman's comp issues, uh, hangs the pictures, gets involved with the families, this, that, and the other. Yeah. Uh, Dina and her family, uh, Dina's the backbone there. She runs all of our financing, uh, keeps all the, everybody in check, right? She's the mother there. Uh, nothing gets by her and, right. uh, what an asset she has. Her, her mother's been with us for almost a decade as well. Uh, Joyce, uh, been doing our bookkeeping. Uh, Joyce is uh, finding herself uh, fading out a little bit. She was retired when when we brought her on. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, Dina's daughter's there now, Nicole, uh, kind of coming up in the world of, of her grandmother there, learning the books and learning how to do things and, uh, you know, answering to Dina. Yeah. <laughs> and it's funny, you know, they do that at home and then they come to work and do the same thing, right? Well, hey, that's the best way yeah. to do it. Yeah. Dina ain't happy, nobody's happy. There right? you go. Got you, Pfeiffer. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, and then obviously my son, <clears throat> my family, uh, my son's been with us now for a couple of years. Um, did his thing for a while. He, he's grown up in fire camp. Since he was about two, he's been in fire camp with me. Uh, my daughter, same. She's uh, been around fire quite a bit. 
I had to let them go sow their oats for a little while. And now they're both calming down and doing their thing. And I brought them into the foundation. But listen, we're a very tight tight knit family. There were three families. Tight knit so. staff, tight knit team. Absolutely. That's really cool. You know, the, the nonprofit side of things is like, you know, all this paperwork and all this stuff. Um, you, I don't think you, you're not focused on that. You're focused on boots on the ground doing all that. Um, you know, this journey of you guys, you know, you guys were doing the commissary stuff and then kind of started this foundation. Your mom was spearheading all that. Um, yeah, I mean, that must have been not super simple, like figuring all that out, setting all that up. You know, this is a long journey. You've got a lot of years, you know, on this. And, you know, what, 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 what do you tell people who maybe want to do foundations, don't want to help, want to serve communities? Like, what's, what's the heart and the vision that you have to carry? And what are the things that, you know, what are the principles and characteristics that have to be there to last and also to be a successful foundation like you guys are? You know, um, quite frankly, Tim, I think we're a little different. Uh, my mother certainly didn't go to college to be a nonprofit director. I certainly didn't go to college. Sure. I didn't even go to college, right? right. Uh, so, <laughs> you know, um, this thing found us. And I don't know how any else way to say that. Um, it found us. Uh, we're doing it. Uh, there's been learning curves by the, all sorts of everything, man. Uh, you know, but I think first thing first, running a nonprofit, you have to have integrity. Uh, you know, you're using other people's money. You you got to stick with your mission. You've got to you've got to really have some responsibility around that, right? Yeah, of course. Uh, you know, and as far as anybody else starting one, uh, you know, you should you should be going where your heart's at, um, and, and that'll get you through. And I I'm just blessed. I don't I don't know how we've gotten to where we are today. Uh, like I said, I didn't go to college to be public speaking. I didn't be going going to college to run a nonprofit. None of that happened by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, just found me, and I've been groomed by the process, if you will. Uh, but we just keep doing the right thing. We keep showing up, and we keep keep helping people. Yeah. And that's my story. Everybody's got their own. I, you know, I don't know. You just keep going. Just, you just, keep, going. You just keep going. Just keep showing you, up with your the heart. heart is in it one hundred. Heart is hundred percent. That's where it started. You didn't start out with the intention of having an own. No, you started even, with the intention of helping. It wasn't people. our wildest dreams. Yeah. Um, and you know, wow, that's just, yeah, that's incredible. I think a, a lot of times, you know, we'll, um, for now we go to academies and stuff and we'd be, we'd be fitting people. That's kind of the most contact that I have with firefighters. And then over the phone, um, we just keep hearing, you know, the foundation's name come up. And then a few times we would, you know, like at this most recent academy right in Arizona, we put up the little statue that you guys have and then mm -hmm. the, the, the banner. And, um, you know, it's, it's like, you guys are I don't even maybe have an analogy for it. You guys are just like a papa in the community. You know, everybody kind of seems to, seems to know that. And that takes time and that takes years of integrity, right? Years of doing the right thing. Years sure. of being there for people, you know, not years of showing up, years of showing up. Exactly. Years and years and years of showing up like that. You, you don't see commercials about us that we do. I, I, I could approach my board and I could have expenditures on advertising. My best advertising is word of mouth on the ground, man. Right. And that's from showing up for people yeah. day in and day out. It's incredible. That's incredible. You guys just keep, you're just keep, you're just, you're just there. You know, you're just there every time. How can, yeah. how can we not be talked about? Is there a, is there um uh, maybe an individual or another foundation or like a friend that you, you know, who maybe is in a similar industry that you have and, you know, you can bounce off of and you can ask questions to like, do you know, are you, do you, are you friends with other people who do different industry nonprofits or different things? And is there kind of a community there or are you just kind of self-taught and you kind of learned as everything went along, like, is there, is, do you have a person like that or friends like that who also do nonprofits that you can kind of mm. ask questions and, and lean on sometimes? Well, I don't I know, know about nonprofits that. specifically, but, but I have mentors out there for damn sure. Um, people with a little wisdom on them and a little age on yeah. them, and, uh, yeah. you know, I can go to and I'm, Hey, is this, is this how the world works? Am I on the right track here type thing? Uh, and, and younger friends. Um, not necessarily in the non nonprofit world. I mean, we show up with, Idaho nonprofit, and I, I've worked with many other executive directors, uh, things like that. But um, you know, every I think everybody just like a regular business; they're all run different. Uh, yeah, everybody does their own thing, and they run it different. Yeah. so it yeah. is what it is. We're we're very unique in the nonprofit world. I think you guys are extremely unique. You've also shared with me that you've you know there's like things that you guys. Um, I think when you when I was out there in Boise with you, you went and you took me to the like airport area where you guys had that memorial spot where it was like um memoriams in the ground and it was like a trail and there was a statue there i forgot what, what that was called it was at the fire center and that was like commissioned by the government for you guys to do and that you guys have a lot of these government relationships where they'll like ask you guys to come in and do stuff come in and take care of people how does that even happen you know i don't know man how does it 
Yeah. Just keep showing up. Just right? keep showing up. Yeah. Just keep yeah. taking care of people when the doors open. So they're, they're recognizing you guys as important for the community. And that's why they're asking you to do this stuff. Like that's for sure. That's I mean, so we are the safety net in the wildland community, hands down. Yeah, that's incredible. And there's a lot of other people out there doing good work, man. And, you know, uh, there's other nonprofits in the community. Yeah. Uh, but nobody's doing it on the level we are by any stretch of the imagination. Yeah, that's amazing. Can you give us a glimpse maybe into the, what, you know, what, what's the future look like and what do you want? Is it just more of the same? Are there certain things you kind of want to go after? What do you want viewers and listeners to look for and know and, and understand and kind of like what's in your heart over the next, you know, you still got a lot of, you still got a lot of energy, a lot of life. I tell people, man, I've, I've hit 52 years old and I am just hitting the ground running, man. Just yeah. getting started here. Really. Yeah, I believe that. Uh, got a I lot of stuff that. going on. Uh, listen for the, for the listeners out there. Uh, obviously in the, in the wildfire world, uh, I want to tell you first, I got your back. Uh, no matter what your needs are out there, I'm going to get you taken care of, uh, with my staff. Um, we're really gearing up towards mental health. Mental health is, uh, it's a growing and growing demand, man. There's no doubt about it. Uh, so I, I, I got some things brewing as I always do. Uh, I'm not going to share them. Uh, today, Tim, and I apologize that's about fine. that. No, that's okay. I, I got to get him a little more uh, validity behind him and sure. uh, things like this. But there's some good stuff coming for the community. Um, and although those things I'm talking about are not uh, in fruition yet, uh, they're they're still there. So any any mental health needs we have out there, uh, anything that anything at all, um, you know, I kind of at this point in age, I. I usually don't compare or, or say anything to, but you know, everybody knows what the make a wish foundation is. And I, and I consider us that in the wildland community, any call that comes in, uh, they could be so far from each other, one call to another and everything in between. Uh, there is no crazy call. There's no crazy question. Uh, there's heart space all over the foundation for, for our boots on the ground and in the air. Uh, I got so many backing people, uh, the mental health program that we're growing is different than I believe anything that's ever been a part of this community. Uh, we are, we are bringing in uh, practitioners and, and people that hold a heart space like that. Uh, they wear boots on the ground. Uh, so we're doing this inside out. Uh, this isn't suits and ties that nobody knows. Uh, you know, I think you, even for me, and I'm not talking about the boots on the ground, I'll talk about me. You put me in front of somebody I don't know in a suit and tie and, Chances are they're, they're not going to get the full Burke. They're not going to get my story. And of course, yeah. sure as hell not going to get what's right. hurting my heart. Right. Uh, they might to a degree, but I'm going to walk out of there and, and not have them told them everything because I don't trust them really. Right. They're different. I mean, it's going to take me having a beer with them, doing anything with them. Speaking on that, you know, how tight knit the community is. Um, I can tell you for a fact I've been, you know, I've, there's like, there'll be an individual and a good customer that have been with us for a long time in the same Oregon. And they'll have my number, my cell phone number, just because, you know, you're just helping people out. They're texting you questions about boots. And then I'll get a call from New Mexico and it's, Hey, this guy gave me your number and tell me, Oh, okay. That's interesting. Uh, next day I'll get a call from California or a text from Colorado. And it's just, it was unbelievable for me to see that over the, this span of, you know, 20 some States or whatever, I'm kind of on this side of the country and also going into the Midwest too. Mm -hmm. There's not as much, it seems like on the you know East coast area that I, at least that I know of, but how tight knit and how quickly Word spreads. spreads like wildfire, <laughs> like wildfire. You know? That was unbelievable. That was yeah, unbelievable, and that right. just tells me how tight knit the whole community is. And truly, everybody does know everybody, even though it's you know. I think there's something like you told me was there like something like fifty thousand, or or even plus firefighters. Yeah. You know, it's like I've never so, counted them, but yeah, that's never, the word, right, right? right? That's the word, you know. And <laughs> they're so they're so tight knit. They're so together, and they don't, they don't play this game kind of of like, Oh, well, you know, you're in this state or this, they're wild and firefighter. Boom. It's like, it's like a, brotherhood, sure. you know, so they've, I've, they've went to academies, they've cut line together. They've, they've passed each other in camps. They've, you know, somehow the connections there. Yeah. Very, very yeah, tight. Yeah. And, and even if they haven't been in a commit, uh, academy together, even if they haven't cut line together, and even if they haven't shared a cup of coffee in a fire camp, they still have each other's back. They do. Just cause they're in the, they're in the community. They do. They do. They 100% do. And I've seen, I feel like, um, there's a very powerful mentorship kind of thing in in the community. I was recently with, um, uh, I was in Sacramento with the hotshot crew and, and we were doing a fitting in the Sacramento area. And um, I just saw something I saw with my own eyes. Um, you know, you have your superintendent, you have your, I think it's assistant superintendent and then there's captains and crew bosses, crew bosses squad bosses. Right. And then there's like the, the new guys that are the seasonals that kind of come on for the season. And it was for me, it was almost military esque. You know, um, so cool to see there's the superintendent that's just kind of like 
I don't know, when he walks around, people just pay attention, pay attention you know, and, and he, he carried a, a strong weight. Um, then there, you just see this hierarchy. And it was incredible to see how the older guys are mentoring the young guys and that guy's mentoring the guy under him and that guy's mentoring the guy under him. And even though, you know, it's guys, it's camaraderie, but it's very no-nonsense type thing when it's serious, when it's about, and, you know, they had recliners in their room where we were doing the fittings. And so they were kind of, they were, they were off, you know, they were kind of hanging out. But I mean, you can see it at the, at the snap of a finger, it's go time. They're so kind of in tune with each other. And I think there's a part of that that's almost like, it's almost, it's hard to leave camaraderie like that. It's hard to leave unspoken, brotherhood. Yeah, unspoken, yeah. have your back, truth. 100%. And so, you know, I can't imagine, like you mentioned earlier, you do it for one summer. It's kind of in your blood and you do it for a second summer. I think probably more than, I'm guessing more than anything, it's the camaraderie, it's the brotherhood and the sisterhood that brings these people together that is like, it's bonded for life. And it's probably hard for them to leave actually, you know, when, when you've been together. Well, hey, when we're people. talking about mental health and all that, you know, that leaving point of the year, uh, hey, fire season's over, our seasonals, you know, hit the road, man. Yeah. Uh, and, and hey, I've just lost my, I've lost my family, man. I've put millions of miles on the buggy with these guys. And I, I tell any crew that's in front of me when we're talking about mental health, I, uh, I, I don't know that I believe in suicide prevention other than, uh, Peer to peer, people finding out what's wrong. Yeah, uh, there's always somebody on the crew that's the glue. Uh, they're funny. Uh, everybody knows each other's personalities, right? There's always a glue. Uh, they come back from R and R, <clears> and <throat> the glue's looking out the window, passing little white lines. He's he's not busting jokes. He's not doing anything like that. <laughs> Go find out what the glue. What's wrong right, with him? Right. Hey, man, are you okay today? Yeah. Because <clears throat> here's the deal, man. If if somebody's contemplating suicide, uh. They might have an attempted suicide, and, and I call that uh, attention. That's an attention suicide. It's not an attempt. They're, they're, they're trying to get attention. They're trying to let people know without saying, hey, I'm suicidal, right. that they need help. So there's attention suicides, and yeah. that's attempted. And then there is suicide. And if, and if you cannot get somebody to burp up what is going on with them, yeah. chances are yeah. you're going to have your suicide. Wow. Uh, you know, and if it comes to posters, if I thought a poster would help these people, I'd hang 50,000 of them around this country. I'd pay for them and do them. Yeah. But our boots on the ground, they're not the type of people that's going to pass a poster and dial up 1-800, get transferred 10 times and speak to somebody who doesn't speak English. And, right, right. And by that time, I'd be ready to slip my wrist, right? Right, right, right. Here we are being funny. Yeah, but yeah, uh, yeah. No, no. 100%. That's not the process of yeah, that. Yeah, it's not the process at all. And uh, it's so, hard to externalize that. Yeah, you keep absolutely. it internal. Yeah, uh, yeah. So they, yeah, I'm leaving it to the, to the boots on the ground. They travel a million miles a year together. They eat together. They crap together. They work together. <laughs> Yeah, that makes yeah. them a pretty tight knit group, right? 100%. They should know each other. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, folks, call these people out. Uh, Johnny's watching little white lines out the window. Find out what's wrong with Johnny. Yeah. Uh, has he got childhood trauma going on? Marriage trauma? Drug and alcohol trauma? Who cares what's going on? We are in 2023, man. There is help out there for everything under the sun, and we're we're finding it in new new things. RMDD, rapid eye movement. Uh, there's all kinds of new stuff uh in mental health that's coming down the pike uh, spiritual anything like that yeah there's my point is there's help for anything that's going on with somebody we've got to get them to burp up do you feel wow that's so powerful do you feel that one of the reasons that your mother and you originally kind of started this and you know you guys saw this need obviously there was the compassion movement but do you feel like you guys just weren't seeing the help come from whether i don't know who you should even expect it from but you just felt like there was a void like it wasn't coming from the government it wasn't coming from another agency. It wasn't coming from another foundation. And you're just seeing this void and you're kind of jumping into this void because there's kind of nobody else to do it. And maybe since you guys have started, have you seen, you know, I just use the word government. Have you seen that maybe the government's like, oh, wow, look, there's a need for this. Oh my goodness. Like this is serious. And have well, you seen agencies tack on? Let's not you? take away from, from the feds. I mean, they try, uh, they, they, they try to help their people. Uh, they bring in system programs. They do this, that, and the other, uh, they're they're doing it yeah does it work mm, i'm not a fed so i'm not going to answer that why right. don't why don't you know if there's feds listening out there give tim a call back and ask him if sism works sure or, sure and the suit showed up did you trust him and tell him your whole story sure uh they're they're hired out contractors uh there there's people in the community that have been trying uh so let's not say that nobody's ever been trying or that there's this gigantic void that's not happening yeah because there are is there room for improvement of course is there room for people other to help? And of course, yeah. Uh, so we're not taking anything away from anybody else. We're just 
trying our own. We have a yeah. reputation out there. Um, I'm dedicated to it. I'm dedicated to taking care of this community and I'm bringing in the right people to do it. Um, you know, uh, back to, I've got some stuff I, I don't want to really re- reveal yet, but, uh, this community's needs are first and foremost on my mind every day I wake up. Yeah. How can I, how can I serve this community better? What's going on? Uh, I'm taking two to five calls a week on mental health, man. Yeah. I, I got, I got mental health, uh, back to my staff and sorry. Uh, I got some of the best trauma therapists, uh, around me. Um, got them on, got them on staff, got them on payroll, uh, more coming in. Um, I, I have to have that army behind me to take these calls and serve this community. Yeah. Can you, can you share on, um, you know, just your guys's Eric, sorry, my new mental health director, Eric, <laughs> where am I be? Got me there on the spot go. here, Tim. I got to no, think no of all problem. these people. No problem. Um, you know, you guys have this big event coming up family day where all these mm-hmm. families show up. You know, can you talk about, obviously you guys are after the firefighters and the families are right there. You know, a lot of them. Have Why do kids. we bring them in? Yeah. We bring them in. Uh, listen, um, the, the best and the most beautiful thing that happens at our family days is when I have a family of a suicide, of a burnover, a tree snag, a cancer, a car wreck, a suicide. Me personally, I cannot look that family in the eye and tap them on the shoulder and say, Hey, I know how you feel. It's not happening. I don't. I've never lost a child to any of that. I still have all my children. Thank God. Yeah. Uh, so, nor do I let my staff do that. We're, we're just not going to blow smoke up somebody's butt and say, hey, you know how you feel, man. Uh, so, we bring them together, uh, not only to honor their firefighter, but the interaction of everything I just went through. There's families, uh, at least one up to 20, who cares, that have helped dealt with that. They are two years out of their grief five years out of their grief, 10 years out of their grief, 20 years out of their grief. When I can find any of these families that have walked the exact same path as a new widow in there, a new mother in there, a new father in there, and they can grab hold of these people and the connection is built. Uh, let's face it. Some of the worst stuff is, is waking up at three or four in the morning with crap crawling on you that you can't even go back to sleep on. They now have a new friend that has walked their path. Absolutely. Exactly. Path. Suicide, burnover. Uh, uh, let's face it, you you have a burnover. Somebody getting and burned to death, man, is is about as brutal in my mind as I think a person could go. So bad that it's really not even talked about in some of these families. Uh, when I can put them in front of another family that has experienced a burnover in their family, the connection that is opened up immediately with somebody who can't, I know how you yeah, feel. Yeah, that's, that's truth common. looking in those eyes. Wow. Uh, and now they have a new friend that they can call at 3 o'clock in the morning. Hey. And this crap calling on me, how'd you deal with this? And talk to them until they can go back to sleep, until the sun comes up and it's a new day. And uh, so the connectivity of families is the key behind family day. Uh, and to let them honor their loved ones, see them, see the monument, uh, be a part of this community. Nobody wants to be a part of the fire family and the Wildland Firefighter Foundation, right? Right. Uh, but we are there and we are a family and, and we cater especially to those. Wow. Um, how far back does the honor wall go? with the earliest kind of people you've honored and, and maybe fatalities on the line of duty. Like our, our mission statement is past, present, and future. And almost on a weekly basis, uh, we don't, we don't know everything. Uh, we might've know everything about this happened in the past, but, uh, some will, a story will surface on a different forest and somebody will bring forward in an email. Hey, you know, this guy was killed in 1946 and you know, Hey, thanks for the info. We get a little picture of him up there and a little biography of what we know about him. I'll get him on the wall, but you know, we got Mangold hanging up there. It was in the forties. Got some earlier in that as well, man. Wow. That's unbelievable. Yeah. That's unbelievable. It's amazing. Well, and especially back then, you know, I've, I've heard stories from families that are, or have some age to them in that regard. And, and back then, you know, uh, some forest service people would knock on the door and that's one family particular. They, all they were handed at the door was a burnt dollar bill. This was in the guy's pocket. Sorry about your loss, man. You know, when you're in the 30s and 40s, uh, there's not a lot going on with that. These are land management agencies, right? And unfortunately, lives are lost on there, but we're putting out fires and, and doing things. And back then, there wasn't a lot lot going on in, in honoring a fallen firefighter family. I think you told me last night, we were, we were having dinner last night, you told me about how some fires burn so hot now, they just do aviation. You know, they can't even, you know, put, put people down there. Um, do you feel like, uh, you know, is, is technology getting better? Are we getting smarter? Is it, is it, are we doing better with, you know, absolutely fighting, fight, 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 absolutely. fighting smarter and not risking all the way across the board. Yeah. Uh, you know, these, the, 
again, who am I? Uh, just a guy out there. Right. Uh, but our, our fuels are changing. They're flashier. They're hotter. Uh, you know, they're, they're not putting crews in front of them. They're, they're putting aviation on them. And, you know, you and I talked last night over a beer. Are, are, are we going to see drones coming? Yeah. I, I believe we are. Probably. I, you know, I, yeah. I think in some levels, probably already out there. Yeah. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me at all here in the near future. Uh, we're not putting pilots at risk. Those things can fly through columns, uh, drop right, water. Right. One goes down, who gives a crap? Uh, you know, build another one. Right. 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 Uh, way different than losing a pilot. Than losing right? a life. Yeah, exactly. For sure. Yeah. Losing a life. Uh, so I absolutely, I think we're responding to technology. And then just so that, you know, maybe people understand how far um, east or, you know, what directions, it's, it's all over the country, but where's kind of, you know, people know about California, that's called R5, you know, for just in the wildland world. Where is kind of this focus and, and not focus, but where does it seem like there's the most activity? How far east does fire go out? You know, I know you guys, you guys do all over the world, actually, you know, like how far does your reach go and where are you mostly at? And, you know, where does it seem like there's the most attention and how far out have you ever affected someone's life in, in the world? Um, you know, we've, we've become international in the last couple of years, man. I, you know, two, three years ago, Australia almost burned off the planet, right? Yeah, that's uh, true. Fatalities over there and wrecks and uh, we serve those families over there uh, for sure. Uh, we're reaching out in Canada as we speak. Canada is experiencing their paradise, California, right? Crazy. Uh, half, half those places are burning down as we speak up there, and we're still in May. So not just American wildland firefighters, any wildland We are taking care of them across the board, man. Amazing. That is a brotherhood internationally, and, and why wouldn't you? Right. You know, when we run out of resources, they're coming in from Australia. Yeah, they and, are. And when they're out of resources, we're, we're that way too, right? Yeah, yeah. It's a big world out there. Yeah, that's amazing. Uh, so We are taking care of them abroad. As far as Australia into Canada. As far as it needs to go. Wow. Unbelievable. So cool. Good. Burke, thank you for sharing your story. It's really touching. It's really yeah, special. Tim, thanks for having me up here. Absolutely. Uh, it's been an honor to know your story and your facility here and smelling the leather, which you guys could see yeah. where we're at. Yeah. Uh, great things happening here. It's amazing. Thank you. It's an honor. Yeah. Um, where can people find you guys? Wildland WFF Foundation. WFFoundation.org, if uh, you're on the internet, uh, social media, obviously, Wildland Firefighter Foundation. Yep. Uh, just stop by the office by the airport, and Boise, come see us, man. We love our visitors. Come see the Interpret Center. Come see the World of Honor. Yeah. Come see yeah. everything we got going on. Cool. Thank you so much, Burke. Peace yeah. and blessings to you guys. And, I mean, this is the just another step in a long journey, a long relationship that we have. I'm really appreciative for it, and, you know, we honor you guys a ton. Thank you so much. And, guys, thank you for listening and watching. Go check out their stuff on social media and on, our, on their website. and. It's in your heart. Donate. And, and this is an incredible community. We're 100% behind them and we support you know, everything that they do. So thank you guys so much. And back at you, Tim. Firefighters boots on the ground. Uh, can't get to Spokane. Come to Boise. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's right. Stock with JK boots in there. Professional yeah. fitters. Uh, I'm claiming right. one of my fames as well. I'm a multifaceted guy, but uh, been fitting boots for a very long time. Couldn't be more proud to get these boots on your guys' feet out there. So appreciate that. Come see us get some JK boots. Thanks, guys.